0: You're listening to the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, success without sacrifice, a podcast by two entrepreneurs at different stages of life, sharing real life experiences, managing a successful business and family life. It's honest talk about lessons learned, balancing family, faith, business, and personal growth on the journey of making our dreams a reality. Now, here are your hosts, Jerry and Jacoby. All right, welcome, everybody. I am really excited to do our next interview here on the Jerry and Jacoby podcast, Success Without Sacrifice. We have Andy Muholland with us, and I am really excited for this because, for one, Andy is just really inspiring for me. I know Jerry can say the same thing for himself as well, but Jerry and I met Andy whenever we were getting, uh, ready to, uh, start coaching with uh real estate B school. And Andy was one of the coaches there at the time. And he just has a really, really good story. As a matter of fact, whenever we first met him, I think he was coming off of, uh, like a uh RV trip he took like i don't know how long the trip was but he just basically packed everything up with his family and they jumped in an RV and just drove all over the united states and so whenever i saw that uh heard his story and the relationship he has with his family and the values that he has it was just everything that kind of embodied like what I uh, was wanting to do with myself and my family. And it's a really inspiring story. And so I'm really excited to have Andy on here with us. I'll let him kind of introduce himself, his story of how he kind of got to where he's at at the moment. And then we'll kind of uh, knock things off from there.
1: Yeah, awesome, guys. Thanks for having me. You know, it's funny, Jacoby, you mentioned the RV trip. And and I remember the first time I talked to you because back then I was doing all the sales calls for Real Estate B-School as well. And you had inquired about coaching. And, you know, that, that meant I took the call and I was on our 67 days. We made it RV trip. And when I spoke to you, I was in Everglades national park. I was, I was uh, riding my, I was on my bike riding with the kids and doing the call with you. We were riding around watching the alligators in the ponds. And I remember ha- having the conversation with you about, about B school So that's the first time I, I spoke with you. And then Jerry, I think once you joined B school or maybe I did the sales call with you too. I don't, it, i did because you know what i was also in the i was in the fish creek park yeah crazy anyway in florida at that time too in the rv and i talked to both you guys so yeah
2: um i remember when jacoby had the call because we had both you know inquired about the b school and jacoby had his call with you he he literally sent me a whatsapp as soon as the call was over he goes you have to talk to that guy um, it,
1: that's funny. Cause I thought he, he wasn't impressed based on the call. I was like, Oh man, I botched that sales call up, but yeah. no, it was, uh, it was good. And I think as you guys got to know me, I just, I tend to just tell it like it is, it's good, bad or, or not. But, uh, my name is Andy Mulholland. I live in Minnesota with my wife and four kids and I've been in real estate since, uh, gosh, 2000, late 2009, I got licensed. And before that drove a limousine and my wife and I went through Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. She was a a nurse at the Mayo Clinic here in Minnesota. And we went through that program and became debt free. And I thought, you know what, now's the time to start a business. I had no college education. I was driving a limousine and I thought maybe real estate's the easiest, you know, least barrier to entry as far as building a business that's worth building. You know, I grew the business and had some pretty good success right away and quickly realized that, the sacrifice was too great for the success I was achieving. And it was time for me to make a shift. So I built a team because there was leverage in that model and grew that and, you know, was able to have success there as well and enjoyed my time. It wasn't all perfect, but definitely grew a successful, profitable business that allowed me to exit personal production and really focus on growing my team and spend time with my family. And that's the whole reason I did you know, what I did. So did that and And then eventually, 2018, summer, it was June of 2018, I walked away from the business, my team and business completely, uh, and just uh, decided that I was ready for the next thing. And now coach, uh, run a coaching company, and I do it one to two days a week, and the rest of the time I spend with my my family. And so that's kind of where I'm at now.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. We're going to unpack all of that here yep. in just a second. But one thing that we like to do at the very beginning of all of our interviews with our guest is to ask them, you know, success without sacrifice. Whenever you hear that, what does that mean to you? And so obviously for us, we do not mean that you're not going to have to sacrifice in order to have success, but we want to have success without sacrificing the things we love the most, and that's really why I'm excited to have you on here. So, whenever you hear that, what comes to mind for you, Andy?
1: Well, I mean, I think, it, man, it's such a good thing to think about. I, I think back on my years, specifically in real estate, and I guess it. I think without even knowing that's what I was doing, that's what I was doing is getting very clear on that, and I think. I mean, it's achieving what we want without giving up more than it's worth. And for each person, it's totally subjective. Like it's, the, it's what they believe to be true. And so I think the follow-up question to it requires us to ask like, well, how do you do that? And it requires us to focus on, to me, it's always like two things. And the, and it's almost like a pendulum. Like the more we push one way, the more it's going to swing to the other way. And so it's two things. It's being super clear on what success is for you. And that's hard to do sometimes because in this world, we get sucked into other people's version of success so easily, like it's all around us. And so that is a hard thing to be consistent with, but it's getting clear on it. And then number two is clear on what we're willing to give up to achieve it. And if we're clear on those two things, then it becomes really easy to define, I think. And I think that's why I made some of the moves I did in my life that other people thought were nuts, but I thought was exactly where God wanted me to be. I had total peace around it because I was clear on those two things. So I guess that's what it means to me.
2: I think that's great way to put it. And as the oldest guy in the room, um, I think it's important to look back and see, like, I would say that you guys are being younger. You've had clarity on that earlier in life than I did where I I'm coming into some of that clarity post forties, you know, probably mid forties is where I just started to get some clarity on that and having 20 years of probably of doing it the wrong way. You know, I have some, you know, past sins that I'm paying for from that. I'm having, you know uh, just even talking financially, you got to dig out of certain holes. I've got 25 years of habits. So I think it's awesome when I see guys get clarity on those Issues and because you know you talked vaguely, but all you know that whole umbrella encompasses what you're going to do with your, the relationship with your wife, with your kids, with your finances, with your businesses, and what that looks like, and it just changes what's important because so many times when we have having conversations, what we're saying is important isn't what we're showing in our life is important.
1: Right. So, so I do wonder where it comes from then, like why why do people at different times in their life and some never do decide that they're going to prioritize success and sacrifice. What happens? You're right. I, I I think about, you know, for me, I've always had a, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up with faith and, and it's strengthened over the years as I've spent more time understanding it and deepening the relationship with Christ and things. And, and that to me, it's an eternal perspective that, allows me to say, you know what, everything we do on this earth isn't for the reasons that we think we're doing it, or at least that our human, our human nature tells us we're doing it. And so when you, when you think of it from an eternal perspective, it just kind of changes your value on things. Not to say that we don't want to work hard and have success, but again, it's that balance of success without sacrifice. So is it that eternal perspective that really kind of allowed me to see that maybe at a younger age, or is it something else I don't know? I'm curious where that comes from. You know, why do we, why do we come to that conclusion at some point?
2: Yeah, I mean, I look at it from my standpoint and going a lot of years without having any kind of clarity or direction is, uh, it's about the relationships that were in my life. You know, I just had this conversation with my brother yesterday about, you know, how come no one at a younger age talked about how important relationships are and we kind of broke it down in in our lives and our upbringing all the relationships were fractured due to alcohol due to you know violence due to you know a multitude of things that came in and fractured those relationships so we never got you know I bought into if you work hard you're going to get the opportunity where later in life it was you know, if you work hard and show the right people, you work hard, it's the relationships that are going to help move you forward. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I started getting clarity based on the proximity or, you know, me putting myself around the right people, or at least what, you know, the right people to help me kind of, you know, get my head on straight. And so for me, it's relationships. That's was the, I would put as the number one factor for me.
0: One thing I've always like, when you say clarity, getting clear on what you, what you want. uh, One thing that I've always admired, or at least that I've seen whenever me and you have conversations, Andy is like, it seems as though, like you said, you are very clear on what you want and where you need to go. And then the other thing is, it seems whenever I talk to you, you make it seem so simple, right? It's like, well, this is what you need to do and just do it. And so my question is, you know, you said in the beginning, you used to drive a limousine. And so I'd like to kind of go back to that point. Have you always had that clarity? I know you're kind of talking about it now, like fleshing it through, or did that come over time? Because like, so what, what kind of timeframe did that kind of hit for you as you look back on it? Have you always had that clarity? Did you work through it with your wife? Like, was it the financial peace thing? How did you come to start walking down this path?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I wonder if You know, I don't know the answer. Other than, I wonder if it's once you you know, real estate allowed me to have success, financial success that I never thought was possible. But it also came with a high cost. And had I never been put in that position, I don't know if I would have been forced to prioritize. Right. I remember the year I finally threw my hands up and I said, "I I think that year our team sold a hundred and just over a hundred deals, and I personally did about eighty-five of them." And I'm thinking, I'm. I'm done. Like people, I remember there was an awards thing with our broker and I got an award for whatever. And people, I remember people pat me on the back, say, great. She's like, wow, great job. You're young. You're in your early twenties. You're doing all this stuff. And I'm thinking, you don't want what I have. If you actually knew, and I didn't say that, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, you don't even want what I have. So I was in a place where, again, think about that pendulum. Yes. I pushed success as far as I could to one side and it, and it worked. But that thing came swinging back so hard on the side of sacrifice that it hit me. And had I never pushed to that success, I don't know if I would have felt that pressure to have to prioritize my willingness to sacrifice. So I think it was real estate that forced me to kind of go there. And so I'm grateful for that, for sure. But I don't know if I would have gone. I don't know if I would have had to. If I, if I was a limo driver today, I probably just would drive my limo and sacrifice wouldn't have been very high and yeah success wouldn't have been very high as far as some definitions of success but you know I wouldn't have had to have been forced to figure that out
2: now to go back to the limo days you said that you went through financial peace and you guys became debt free and that was why you were a limo driver
1: well it was part of why I was a limo driver i you know was working extra hours my wife was a nurse i I started working limousine. I did limousine driving during the day, and then in the evenings I did what they called life source runs, where I would drive surgeons from the Mayo Clinic to hospitals all over the Midwest in a limousine because they all had to ride together to harvest organs. Okay. And it's kind of a funny story because my wife worked in a transplant unit at Mayo, and so I always had the heads up when when some new organ was coming, and I'd tell her, "Hey, by the way, I'm heading out tonight at midnight to do this," and so. Tomorrow she was on you know, on in in the in the unit doing that. But anyway.
2: We uh, should have asked we should have asked Andy to wear his hat for the interview. His limo hat. His limo driver hat. Oh limo hat, yeah. Luckily
1: they didn't make us wear a hat. I did have to wear a suit. (laughs) But uh so I would do that in the evenings. I get a call at, you know, 11 o'clock and it, it would be the life source company. And they'd say, Hey, we need you to pick everybody, everybody, up in 90 minutes. And you need to be, you're going to take them to this hospital. I'd sleep in the limo, wait for them to do the surgery and then harvest the organs. We would drive them back. They'd literally have coolers in their hands and we'd be flying back to Rochester as quick as we could. So I did that to help contribute, of course, to our goal of becoming debt-free. Yeah. yeah.
0: So going back to, you said you had the success, like, and you said, you do not want what I have. Is it your relationship? I'm assuming you didn't have, y'all didn't have any children at that point.
1: We, we, we did. We had at that point, I think we had two of our four, our two boys, our two older boys
0: at that point. Yep. So was that a factor in why you were saying you don't want what I have because of the time restraint or what was the, what was that
1: yeah, I mean, just I think, you know, the sacrifices that, that I that I had to give up at that point were yes, I think the biggest thing was, you know, at that point, I had buyers agents, one or two at that point. So I wasn't heavy. in, I wasn't as heavy in production anymore. I was mostly doing the listing side of the business with a few buyer deals at that point. I had a great admin person coordinator that was doing a lot of the backstage stuff. So I probably was actually working Possibly working less, I'm not sure. I would say the same amount of hours, just doing different activities, but it was just the being able to shut it off. Right. As we all know, you know, we've all experienced real estate. And so the ability to shut it off is tough.
2: Especially in the broker environment where you do if you're doing 85 deals, you're do, your team's doing 115 and you're just a small team like that. I mean, you're getting propped up around every corner. I know how this world works and Uh, I can definitely get the sense that that was the same case in your office.
1: Yeah, for sure. It definitely was. Yeah. The success was there, the financial success, but that wasn't, again, I think that's the other thing too, is I think for some people, they'd say, you know, that the sacrifice wasn't that great or it wasn't that great. The sacrifice wasn't that great because you had this financial success. But I think that's why it's, it's a double, it's a, it's a pendulum. It's like, you also have to define what success is. For me, there was a point where I didn't care about, I just didn't care about the money, you know. And that was the only reason I was doing it. Maybe it's because we went through financial peace, we didn't have debt, we lived very simply and still do to this day. Because freedom is my success. That that's my definition of success, right? I heard it a long time ago. I don't remember who it was, maybe Darren Hardy or somebody else doing what you want, when you want, with who you want. Like that to me is the ultimate success. Money is a tool to help us get there, but it isn't the end all be all. And I think that's, man, that's a trap that's hard to avoid. And especially in America, we obviously love America, but man, it is so focused on financial success and material success. And so hard to not get sucked into that. To this day, I still do especially cause I love sports cars. And so it's hard not to be like, Oh, I want that next <laughs> new sports car, you know, or do this cool new thing or that cool thing. But the freedom is really for me how I define it. And then, you know, there's uh, you know, the, the other thing I think about when I think of success without sacrifice, there are different phases in our lives where this changes. Right. And so for me early on, I was willing to work seven days a week and I was willing to give up more than I am now, you know? And so as our lives change and you talked about relationships, Jerry, as we have different relationships, like with our kids and other people, my relationship with Christ tells me that I need to be spending time in my church and sharing the gospel and and volunteering and being part of that, because ultimately that's what matters. And so I'm not willing to sacrifice as much for maybe what I used to, to set myself up you know, financially successful, that makes sense. So 100%. one of the things that
2: Kobe said a few minutes ago was the way that you carry yourself makes it seem like, you know, you just keep it simple and you probably get accused of, oh yeah, that was easy for you. And so there's one story that I want to get into that just kind of points out that, you know, you had hurdles just like everybody else. And I didn't get the full version of the story because when you originally started to tell me, we got interrupted but it was when you had a problem with your continuing education as a broker i got to imagine that was that definitely was a stressful moment so go ahead and break that story down and uh so oh. andy was a broker uh had a team um had agents under him that were that he was responsible to and i let him kind of film yeah in i'll
1: never forget it we were in a meeting i was in the meeting with my operations director my sales manager it was our weekly leadership meeting and you know, people knew I ran a pretty tight ship. People knew when we were in a meeting, you do not interrupt us, right? And so, so an agent, one of our newer agents, even came in and interrupted the meeting, and I was not happy. I'm like, "What? Are, what do you need? We are in a meeting, you know." And she said, "She said uh, I think we have a problem. I just got an email that said my license has been suspended because your broker's license is inactive, and that was an independent broker." And I thought. I I just did a double take, what? Like it didn't even make sense to me. And then it dawned on me that that there must be an issue. And so I looked in my email. Sure enough, I had an email from the Minnesota Department of Commerce that said your broker's license has been deactivated due to missing, I think it was two credits. So like we're talking like a class on feng shui or something.
2: Yep.
1: Right. That I didn't take uh and got missed. And, and we were, we were down. Like we literally could not do business. So I was, yeah, I was in a tough, it was the most stressful point I would say in my entire career. Cause at that point we had 12 to 15 team members. Some, most, a lot of those were uh, admin. A lot of those were, some of those were agents. They were all dependent on me and I didn't do my part to keep the business moving forward. It was a humbling moment because I remember always feeling like I was harping on them for not doing the things they needed to do. And yet here I mess the whole thing up for everybody by missing one simple thing. So yeah, it was a tough moment. I remember not knowing what to do. I remember feeling totally overwhelmed and scared because how were we supposed to do anything? You know, when you're not licensed as a, you, you can't practice. So I called the department of commerce. I remember talking to her, the gal there and she said, yeah, you're in a tough spot you know, they're not super helpful, but she's like, you're in a tough spot because you have a fiduciary responsibility to your clients to show them homes, to help them sell their. And at that point we had 40, 50 listings that were active on the market. And I couldn't, Uh couldn't even do anything. We couldn't, we had buyers wanting to see homes that day. And technically we were not licensed. So we were not supposed to go in and show them property. She said, but you've got a call to make, you've got to decide if you're willing to risk doing the, you know, practicing without a license and the consequences that can come from that or the risk of not fully representing your clients that you have a fiduciary responsibility to. So I'm like, I don't know what to do. So the decision was made and I made the decision. We're going to show homes anyway. We're going to show homes. We're going to practice. And I'm going to just deal with the consequences when they come. And hopefully they don't come. She said, the only way you're the only way you're going to get in trouble is if someone reports you for showing a listing that isn't active or that while you're not actively licensed. So I had a team meeting. I talked to them about that. I said, look, I want you guys to show these properties. I'm going to take whatever consequences come. I'm going to not, you won't be responsible. I am as the managing broker. So we did that. Sure enough, an agent reported us who didn't like us so much. And
2: as soon as you said, as soon as you said, unless somebody reports you, because You're not in a huge market. It's going to get around. It's almost like what happened to your broker in in Midland. Jacoby told me a story last year. So yeah, I knew it was going to be another agent or broker turned you in. Well,
1: and the worst part about it was, is it was a family member agent. Who it was a it was my it was a family member that I had been close to in the past, and then and then for whatever reason they got into real estate. They got super competitive and were doing everything they could to take me down. And they reported me immediately. So it was this huge legal thing. It turned out to be not a big deal. I got a slap on the wrist and a small fine because the department of commerce was like, look, it happens. We we get, but in the moment, I'm thinking like, I'm going to go to jail. Like this is going to ruin my career, all these things. So yeah, it was definitely a a stressful moment. And I think within that same time period I had, there was one day where there were five people on my team that left in one day. Right. So, I mean, this is just the story. This is the fight when it comes to, when it comes to building a real estate business in any business, really.
2: I remember I was on vacation. Well, So I got into real estate in 2013. This would have been 2018. We're on vacation, rented a house for the week. It was just kind of getting into my life where I'm, I'm able to do stuff like that. And so we had a lake house for the week and I got one of those emails and this isn't a topper story because yours is way more stressful, but that I got audited for my 2000. 13, 14, 15 CE. When I started at my brokerage, I'd asked, I got my license in 13. The general manager trainer at the brokerage said, yeah, you don't have to do CE in 13. Cause that's the year you got your license. Eh, wrong. So I got my license suspended or I got, I had to go in front of the board. I got a on vacation. I got the email. Of course that's when it comes right. Vacation that your license is suspended because you didn't do your CE and ended up, I had to go in front of the board. I ended up with just a one day suspension. Cause that was by state law. Like I had to get the one day suspension it was $1,500. but then I had to do 28 extra hours of CE. <laughs> so, yep. but yeah. And so the feng shui classes got taken.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it just, that's the, it's kind of the the stinger in the whole thing is it's just, it's almost, I mean, we all know that continuing education When it comes to real estate, anyway, my wife is a nurse, she has to do CE also and her CE, they don't even check on it. And she's a nurse, right? She was. We're continuing we're real estate boy, you better not uh, miss your feng shui class. Yeah,
2: I definitely remember that gut wrenching moment though. So I can imagine when they walked in that meeting, how
1: Uh, just your heart just sinks and just sick to your stomach.
0: Yep. That's a great story. I appreciate you sharing that. I I had no clue that uh, even happened. Um, I do have a question off of that story though. So where does, obviously that was a hard decision you had to make where, and I think that was like, it shows a lot of integrity. Where does that come from for you? Do you think, is that your, your, obviously I think I know the answer, but uh, making a hard decision and then telling everyone I'm going to take the responsibility for whatever comes that's not a quality that a lot of people have. So where do you, where does that come from? Where do you build that from? You think?
1: Well, I mean, I am not going to pretend that that's probably always the case, uh, that I handle things that way. I definitely, you know, have made mistakes around how I should handle things. I think like everyone does, we look back and say, Oh, I should have done it this way or should have done it that way. In that moment, I I felt that you're forced to become the leader that maybe you are in that moment. Other times you don't have to be a leader. In that moment, it's like, they're all looking at me like, what do we do? Because everyone was freaked out. Like, this is their livelihoods. This is their mortgage payments that they needed to make. Like, this is how they make money. And I'm their leader. And so I had to just, we had to make the decision. I knew the decision was mine. And because it was mine, I couldn't help feel like they held to be responsible. Yeah. I mean, I think overall, I try to be that way. Why? Because I have a moral compass, which is which is God, which is the Bible, which is what tells us how, you know, we need to be living. And I think that moral compass helps, helps me. I still fail at it all the time.
2: Awesome. Yeah. Another thing that i I think I'm picking up a pattern here. If you look all the way back to when you were even a limo driver, um, you said, you know, we did the Dave Ramsey, uh, course, and then like, you know, we met through the B school. Um, and now you are running a coaching company on, um, on the scale that you're deciding you want to run and how you think you can most effectively help people. So talk to me about like that idea of coaching in your mind, like where, uh, have you always had a desire to have coaching and what is, uh, and you know, over your career, what does coaching look like for you as far as the coaching you've received?
1: Yeah, you well, know, it goes back to kind of what you said before is that you become an average of the five people you hang around most. And I believe it. And it's been a result. I would, I would not even have come close to some of the success I've had in real estate specifically if I hadn't, hadn't learned from others. And so I'm a believer in coaching. I've hired a lot of different coaches throughout the year. And each one of them has brought a unique thing to me that's allowed me to, you know, either be more financially stable or... Uh, or just value life more or give more to others or whatever it is. And so now, obviously, um, I don't know if I've always had a passion for teaching, but I have always had a passion. I've always had a conviction of around or an opinion maybe around how something should be done. And it's usually a pretty strong opinion until I'm convinced otherwise Uh, sometimes that's not such a great thing when you're married, uh, and and you've got to be a a partner to your spouse, but you know, when it comes to coaching, it can be very helpful because people do, people do want to be led. They want to be convinced. They want to be told what to do, but it's got to make sense. I think for me, luckily I'm a very simple minded person. I like a simple life. I think it's because I, I'm not overly educated Uh, I didn't, didn't, I hardly graduated high school, didn't go to college, tried for two weeks and left. And so to me, the world is simple. Uh, It's just a simple place. If we let it be, we can also very easily complicate it. If we let it, I just choose to keep it simple. That works well with coaching, right? Because yeah, it just does. And so I think that's why I've realized maybe that's something that, that I'm put on this earth to do. And it hasn't always been a passion of mine, like I had mentioned before, but the last, you know, decade working with team members, teaching, training, seeing the impact that can make on their lives and helping them change their stars. It's, it's a, there's so much value for it that I get out of it, let alone what they get. So I think that's why I've shifted, you know, in the last half a decade anyway, to kind of going full-time in that direction
0: you kind of talk about having, you had success, like you never, you had success that you never would have thought about. And even in whatever that is, like we're talking, kind of express, because I talked to quite a few folks and sometimes when you get success and then it comes at the level that you never thought it could be yet, how do you continue? Like, how do you keep like the fire burning, I guess you could say, like, how do you keep from getting complacent? Like what keeps you motivated and moving on to the next thing? I guess, I guess you would say,
1: well, I think it goes back to the title of what you guys are doing success without sacrifices, being clear on those two things. I mean, sometimes it's, I mean, as I mentioned before, I walked away from my real estate business at its peak. We had the best year that we had, had had and I packed it up people thought I was, they, I remember hearing on the, you know, kind of what people were saying for, and people thought that I had either gone crazy or went broke and neither were true. In fact, it was the opposite. I was so very clear. And by the way, I had, and, my, and I give my wife most of the credit for this, been very financially sound. So I had the choice to do that. And for me, it was a fairly easy decision. I wouldn't say it was completely easy because it was a big deal to me even too. It's not like I took it lightly, but when you know, you know, when you know it's time to move on, you know, and so sometimes it's okay to say there isn't the next thing with that. It doesn't always, I don't always have to be motivated. Like, okay, there's something wrong with me because I, I want to shift or I want to do something different. Well, when you have the option to do it and you're clear on what you're willing to sacrifice and, and it's more, you're sacrificing more than what you're willing to at that moment. It's clear that success has shifted. Your definition of success has shifted and something needs to change. And so that's where I was when I did that. So I think it goes back to exactly what you guys are talking about. Every, every call you do.
2: Did you have clarity on your exit strategy prior? Like, like, um, Cause the exit, you know, like your exit strategy is not typical, in any industry just to pack up a successful business? Cause you had options.
1: Yeah, not really. I, I think I sound like I was building it with the plan that one day I was just going to shut it off. Right. But I think over the years, it all started with becoming debt free and having all, all of our, you know, and then eventually paying off our farm and having zero bills, right. Other than just the very minimum and living a simple lifestyle and being okay with a simple lifestyle. And then being diligent about saving, investing, doing all the things that allowed me to have choices. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, wait a second, I don't have to do this anymore. And I'm only doing it for the money. Maybe, maybe I, maybe the definition is retirement. I don't know. I don't like to think of myself as retired because I still am very involved and want to work and be doing these things. But like, it's just a very, you know, the clarity came, I guess I'll put it that way. The clarity came if I didn't have the financial ability to walk away because I wasn't living a simple life and also was good with our money, then I wouldn't have been able to make that choice. So it kind of just all the, you know, just kind of came. And I would say it was a year to a year and a half of where it was like, hmm. so I could just walk away from this. I could just totally be done. So I think it was kind of a matter of time where I realized that the clouds had lifted and I, and, and the clarity came and I thought, it was a lot of conversations with my wife, Ellen, and it was at the point. And and then I also saw the opportunity with coaching. I mean, that's where B-School came in, where I had the opportunity to build that with Lars for a little while. And, you know, then eventually realized there was some things that I wanted to do in, in the way that I wanted to do them. And so, you know, starting my own entree agent coaching was just a very clear next step. And by the way, that comes with a whole lot of freedom too, because I can set my own schedule and I'm building it in a way where it's very scalable Uh, for me too. And so, yeah, it just kind of has all worked out. Part of it was just, I I truly believe this too, is God's plan. I mean, we moved from where we built our real estate business to where we live now, which is a very small community. And, you know, prior to that, we weren't heavily involved in our church. Uh, We'd go on Sundays and that was about it. And I think God wanted more for our family. Uh, He wanted to put us in a position where we could you know, make that a priority. Unfortunately, it came with, fortunately or unfortunately, it came with having to drop everything and, and, and move. But here we are, now we're part of a church that we've never felt more connected with. I volunteer as our, our lead missional influence outreach team leader. I lead a team at the church of, we're, our job is to share the gospel, right? And, and strategically do that. And I think of all the things I learned in real estate and and tracking and running that approach, almost like a business, like it's just so clear to me, this is exactly where God wants (laughs) me and my family to be. And it came with a tough decision. But again, when I was clear on success without sacrifice, it's so easy to make those choices. You know, I think it's when we're unclear when, so I'm grateful for the clarity that I was given, but when we're unclear, that's when we oftentimes feel like we just got to double down, work harder, do more. It's like, wait, why? Why are we doing that? And I see it in real estate all the time. you know. And that's where my passion comes from now with coaching people on how to specifically build their business to exit production. Redefine success. I, it's part of our processes. Redefine what success actually means. Because it isn't what we think it is. It isn't being on stage and talking about the next cool lead magnet that we have and And that's fun. And that's fine. And it's great to do all those things. But like your family's at home waiting for you to be done with that. They're literally big, and they may not even know it, but they're waiting for you. So what are we doing to build this in a way where you can do that? You can be with them and answer their call. Because we get sucked into the world of success in real estate specifically. And it's defined by other people. And it's not what I think most people would truly define it as if they stopped and thought about it. And that's what I'm doing with people through my coaching is getting them to be very clear on it and then doing the right things to be able to set it up correctly so that they can answer the call of their spouse and kids that are, that are desperately calling audibly or not, but they're calling. Uh, and, and, and that's really where my passion comes from now.
0: I like oh. it man. One of one of my favorite verses is Romans 12:2 and it says, "Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, mm-hmm. then you'll be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing and perfect will." And like what you say like about like what is success and it's not what you know, maybe society or whoever thinks it is, you know what I mean? You right obviously like took the time to, to think through that if it was by your own doing it or through the circumstances of that happening, that's like one key thing I think is really good. And that's like one thing I think of when I think of success, it's like, don't success. You need to define that and figure out what that means, you know, for you. So I think it's really good.
1: Totally. And I think that for a lot of people, if they don't, yeah, Yeah, if they don't take the time to do that, then they can't The term I always use with my coaching clients is any bus will get there if you don't know where you're going. Right. So if we don't get clear on what the destination is, just jump on a bus and we do that. The problem is somebody else is driving and then we cannot complain when we don't get what we want out of it or our life is miserable. So define the dang bus stop and then you know which bus to jump on. You know, I remember hearing Tony Dungy, the NFL football coach who had ups and downs in his football career but did not waver on what he did, what he considered to be success. And it came from a Bible verse that he shared at that point, which is Mark eight 36, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world, but lose his soul. And it's, it's in line with, with what you shared too, Jacobi. It's like, let's, let's really get clear on what's important in this world, and this life. And money is a tool. It is not the, is not the end.
0: For sure. Uh,
1: at least, it, at least I hope it's not for for most people, and I don't think it is. But it's so easy to get sucked into what the world defines as success, especially in America, especially in today's you know today's world. So I love what you guys are doing and just kind of sharing the message of not telling people what success is and what sacrifice they should be making, but getting them to think about what it is for them, and that's powerful. Exactly. Yeah.
2: The one pattern that's shown up in your life is like one you're you have clarity on what you think the next step should be, but you don't rush into it and you're not afraid to shift either. So you, you know, you did the limo, you got debt free, you looked at real estate as a viable option that was going to provide some resources, I'm assuming mainly financially that was able to set it up. And then when it was time to shift out of that and like, and then you know, and then the next, the coaching and the church came in. I know you guys lived in a small community and you built a house in another small community. And if I saw on Facebook a couple of weeks ago, it looks like you might be looking at making another shift off of probably what you thought was going to be a long-term thing. And I'm talking yeah. about, you're talking about selling your house.
1: Yeah, for sure. We're thinking about it. And and we don't know for sure if we will or not. We love where we live. I mean, <laughs> as people get to know me, they realize I tend to not sit still for too long because I do just want to experience and enjoy. And maybe, you know, for, for me, the dream has always been to live full time in an RV, right? We did the 67 day trip and that was awesome. And, uh, we loved every minute of it. And then, you know, it's funny when you look back on a trip like that, you don't remember all the, all the, Nights where the kids were screaming and you're all in this tiny little, you don't think about those things. You just think about the awesome hikes you went on and watching the sunset go down on the ocean together and all these things that you did. Uh, but, but, but I we were toying around with the idea of being yeah full time on the road. And unfortunately the property we live in requires enough attention that I don't think we could own that and be away for a long time. And it just may not make sense. So that may be something that we do. If not, I mean, I'm kind of the way I look at it is I'm putting it out there, and, uh, and this market will probably sell when we are ready to actually sell it, but that's kind of the plan. I'm putting it out there and if it sells, I guess then that's the direction, you know, we're, we're going to go, but who no, knows Maybe next week. And I might be something totally different. I told my wife the other day, I said, pretty sure Elon Musk is getting ready to get people to move to and colonize on Mars. Maybe we should go check <laughs> that out. Like that'd be fun. She wasn't too oh, keen on that idea, but, she, but then, uh, selling her on the RV seemed a lot better. So.
2: Uh, well, I love that you're, you, you have clarity on what you want. So it's that bus analogy. So what, and so you're, you're setting your life up to be able to do that with the way you're setting your coaching company up And Ellen, who does, uh, she's got simple that her company is simply numbers. She does bookkeeping. Um, uh, she's been phenomenal by the way. I'm hoping uh, she whips me into shape. Like she whipped you into shape.
1: Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, again, her passion comes from knowing that, and it comes from the same as mine uh, around real estate teams. She does bookkeeping specifically for real estate teams and agents to help them understand their financials so that they can set it up correctly to be able to make this all worth it. For years, the way I ran it, until she came into my life and was able to help me get my a handle on things. If there was money in the bank account, thumbs up. If there was money in the bank account, thumbs down. Right. And that's just how I live my life day to day. And she whipped me into shape. And so now, you know, she's helping other people do the same with their real estate businesses, knowing how powerful the tulip can be if it's if it's managed, if it's uh caged and tamed, because it is a wild beast if we let it be one.
2: So and she has the sweetest way of telling you you're an idiot too.
1: <laughs> oh, I I know, I know that voice. Yeah. Uh,
0: nice. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, I got a couple more questions. I'm looking around on your social media and uh, I see you and uh, it looked like you and your boys, but are y'all flying around? So tell us a little bit about like what you like to do. I know you got a farm if you want to talk about that. I know you're into Porsches as well. So what I'm really intrigued about the about the flying thing, though. What's what's up with that?
1: Yeah. Well, I had a good friend who's a dairy farmer here where we live in Southeast Minnesota. And uh, he had a, it's called a paramotor a powered paraglider, which is just a, basically my boys call it a butt fan, right? <laughs> you just strap a giant fan to your back uh, with a throttle in your hand. And then you have a parachute above and you just start running and you take off and fly into the air. He had one. I tried to convince him to just let me use it without any training. We decided that was a bad idea. So we went to f- Florida this winter. In fact, my family spent a couple months down there. And we thought, you know what, we're down here. It's warm. There's a training facility right down the road. So we, he came down for a couple of weeks with his family. We spent a couple of weeks together and learned how to do that over a course of 10 days. And I ended up buying one for myself as well. And so now, yeah, we live, I live five miles from the airport here, a small little County airport with a nice runway. So we're, we're flying around all the time and just having fun uh, with that.
2: You have you to know, take off from the airport.
0: So you you're running. So so here's the picture I got. I got a picture of you <laughs> running down a runway with a fan <laughs> attached to your butt. That's, there you what go. I just got that's,
2: that's what it
1: is. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> In fact, you just described the, one of the videos that are on Facebook is me running down the runway with a giant fan on my butt and and holding up a parachute. And all of a sudden I just take off into the sky. But it's one of the coolest things I've ever done. You feel like a bird when you're flying up around up there. You're just dangling. You look up and you're being held by some strings
2: yeah. from from my, an outsider looking in, it looks like the least safest way to fly.
1: <laughs> you know, it's funny that and pe- people say that it is uh, the most safe way to fly because you think about it, you are literally in a parachute, okay. which is the thing that people put on their backs when their plane starts to go down. I'm already in it. Yep. I'm not going anywhere, but floating down to the earth surface. Yep. So it's all good, but uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And for me, the big thing was um, my boys, watching me do something that did scare the heck out of me. I almost didn't do it the first time I was going to take so I'm like, what am I doing? You know? And I looked at them, they were there, we were on the beach in Florida. They were there watching my first flight. And I just, I was like, you know, what? these, these boys got to see what's possible. Like if you just decide to do something, you can literally just run into the sky, you know? And so awesome. I don't know if they took that away from it or not. Maybe one day they'll look back on it. I like to think that that's maybe what they'll think is, wow, my dad did stuff that, you know, I love my dad, but my dad worked. That's what my dad did. Uh, And he built a very successful business. And he loved us. But, you know, we didn't do the things that I would like to be doing with my kids going fishing and doing just, just crazy things like running into the sky together. And now my 10 year old is all about getting a paramotor and doing it with me. And I just think that's, that's the benefit of, of that. And it all goes back to, I think back to getting my license in two thousand nine and not being clear and eventually getting clear on what I wanted to do with this business and why, and now being able to do it you know and that's uh that just makes it all that much sweeter to run into the sky so
2: so speaking of social media stories, I saw the so yesterday I was trying to get a hold of you to get you the link. (laughs) Your phone's going right to voicemail. I'm texting you, no response. And finally get a hold of you on Facebook last night. And you're like, oh yeah, my phone broke a couple days ago. It was just a flip phone, but uh, yeah, I kind of like not having a phone. Like That's pretty neat that your life's set up in a way that that's a thing.
1: Yeah, there Um, it is. It came back to life, believe it or not. This is the second one in the last few months that I've wrecked in water.
2: So did that, so was that the video, Ellen was recording you, you fell in the river yeah. you were trying to get a lure out.
1: Right. We did a date night and yeah. I said, Hey, let's go fishing. And my wife's so great that she's like fishing. Okay. For a date night. Like I'm pretty lucky to have some a wife that would be willing to do that. So yeah. we lived <laughs> five minutes from a trout stream, the kids were at the house with a babysitter. We drove down in the truck and walked the stream and kind of hung out on, on the little area there and just kind of chatted and talked while we both fished teaching her to fish. And of course she got one of my favorite lures stuck in the tree. And so I had to walk the stream and get it out. And sure enough, as I went, I grabbed a branch and it broke and I fell right in the water. I didn't think my phone was in my pocket and sure enough, it was, but as I mentioned before, you know, yeah, I would say this is definitely one of the most freeing things is this flip phone. I got it probably back. I went to a flip phone probably back in 2014 or 15. And, you know, it's the best thing that I think I've ever done for my sanity and my life and just, just everything. And people say, Oh, you, I remember being in a mastermind with a group of top producing agents at that time. Our, our team was selling two or 300 homes a year. And I showed them the flip phone and, and they were like, you can't do that. Like that. No, no, you don't get, that's not how this works. And so it was was fun to just challenge them to say, maybe not. I just got, and I said, maybe six months from now, I won't be able to, I'll have to go back and this won't work, but you know, you can choose how you're going to live this life. And I was not willing to sacrifice my focus with my kids because I had a dang smartphone in my hands all the time. And I was addicted to checking my email and my Facebook. And I'm a big believer in controlling your environment for you to find success and my me controlling my environment is having a flip phone. I don't have the option to check it while I'm sitting in the car with them or walking down the road with them. So I wasn't willing to sacrifice, even if it meant my team didn't grow as much or I didn't have as much success. Oh, well. So that's where I think people think something can't be done. Like you can't run a real estate business on a flip phone. Well, number one, watch me. And number two is it's because I'm clear that even if it means I'm not gonna be as successful, it's okay because I'm not willing to sacrifice my sanity over having this flip phone that I personally will be completely become addicted to. And I was. Wow. Wow. Yeah,
0: (laughs) that is absolutely awesome, man. Like I appreciate, uh, appreciate all the knowledge and wisdom and your story, sharing your story on here with us as well, man, I could, I could go, actually, I got like, I could go on and on just after you bringing that up right there. But, uh, Is there anything that you want to leave as a parting shot? Anything you want to say to the audience or anything? And then also, how can folks connect with you if they want to connect with you after they hear this?
1: Well, they they can try to call me, but I don't (laughs) answer my phone a whole lot. So don't call. But but no, Facebook is probably the best way I do check that. uh, With my coaching business, we run a lot of that through some of the Facebook tools. And so I do check that via my computer. No, I mean, parting thoughts are just exactly what you guys are, you know, are making people aware of. And I think that's what it is. It's almost like an, an enlightenment of like, huh, maybe I should define my own success and don't be afraid to buck the, the status quo. Don't be afraid to buck what everybody else tells you is success. I remember going through Dave Ramsey's and, and people were just thought we were crazy. Cause we were literally living on rice and beans. They'd ask us to go out to the movies. We'd say no, right. Because we weren't going to spend 20 bucks. And they thought we were nuts, but we were very clear on what we wanted, which is freedom. And that was going to come through this process. So life just becomes a lot easier, not perfect by any means, but a lot easier if if you're just super clear on what uh, you are willing to sacrifice. And that's based on the definition that you have of success. And once you get those things clear, then, man, you can just start getting to work and, and making it happen. So um, that'd be my only encouragement for people is that was true in my life. And it's something I tend to live by, you know, each and every day.
0: Very good, man. Great stuff. It's good, um, man.
1: Yeah. yeah. Great to talk
0: with you guys. It's awesome. Thanks so much. I'm inspired by the flip phone, man. Yeah. My, my I'm, uh, goal. I'm logging really? in and buying my, one right know. now. It's going to be like, yeah, flip. I got to think of a catchphrase for in my head, but it's, it's <laughs> like flip phone, flip phone, real estate or something. That's, uh-huh. that's <laughs> my goal is to get to where I. I don't know how it would, I am addicted to text and I'm not willing to give up text. So I don't know about texting. Yeah. Say, and
1: you cannot do text. I literally,
0: it's like, tap it's,
1: it's so ridiculous. So
2: See, I'm old enough. People. I'm old enough. That's how we did it. So.
1: Right. And here's the thing. I've trained people that that they call me. Mm-hmm. People hardly ever text me anymore. Cause they know that I, I might respond or I might not like they call me usually, you know, cause I yeah. can't sit there and just do the thing. So you kind of train people to live the way you're going to live versus being the what just being. I, I, again, it's my stubbornness, like going back to like just because the world is moving in in the direction where we all have to have these things on our hands doesn't mean I have to. Yeah. Have to, and it's hard because everyone else does it that way, and you have to miss out. But oh well, you know. So I don't know. Do it. That's all I can say is do it and give yourself. Commit to six months because it's going to suck for about six months, <laughs> especially when you're trying to. The worst part is being in your car, not knowing where you're going, and you don't have the map feature on your phone. <laughs> yeah. So you're printing off MapQuest.
2: <laughs> oh, that's hilarious.
1: <laughs> right? Or you're looking it up ahead of time. But anyway.
2: Well, I, my truck has the navigation in it. So here you go. You don't need a phone. Sweet. Yeah. All right. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, it, it so fun. much.
1: Thanks, Always you, great guys. to talk to you. Yeah. Keep it up. Talk to you
0: soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Jerry and Jacoby podcast. If you walked away with something of value, we hope you'll share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. So you get notification of all new episodes.